book of Philippians chapter number 4, and I want to just look at like two verses. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And let's look at that just very briefly for a few moments tonight. As we <clears throat> look at the Word of God in Philippians chapter 4, verses number 6 and 7. Starting with verse number 6, Philippians 4, verse number 6, reading out of the New King James, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Let's read that again, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Tonight, just for a few moments, I want to talk about perfect peace. Perfect peace. Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, there is such a thing called perfect peace. Perfect peace. Perfect peace. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have uh, together in your name tonight. We pray that you would open our ears and hearts so that we would hear your word tonight. We pray that your word would go forth in boldness and power. And uh, we pray that all that is said and done, Lord, most of all, would bring you the glory. And everyone shouted a great big amen. Perfect peace. When I read this scripture, the Apostle Paul reminds us in verse 6, he said, Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. When I first read that, I thought to myself, what kind of world does he live in? The world that I live in seems like I'm always anxious. Seems like I'm always worrying about something. Seems like I'm always worrying about another bill, another issue, another problem, another person, somebody running their mouth, etc., etc. Seems like we always worry about something, and you would probably agree with me. You agree that you're worrying about another bill. You're agreeing about another issue. You're agreeing about somebody talking. You're agree you have the same problems. How many would agree with me? Say amen. And you think to yourself, what kind of world does he live in? Because I am always worrying about something. And maybe I shouldn't be. I mean, maybe some of the things I worry about really should not really concern me, and maybe they should not be issues I should be concerned about. But let's face it, I'm human, and you're human, and we have a tendency to focus on things maybe we shouldn't focus on. But we all worry about things we shouldn't worry about. Somebody said that worry is like a rocking chair. You are doing something, but you are going nowhere. Isn't that the truth? I mean... What kind of world did the Apostle Paul live in? Be anxious for nothing? I mean, he's almost painting the picture that he doesn't worry about anything. He doesn't have a care in the world. And when you read this, you almost want to scratch your head and think to yourself, really? Seriously? I mean, did you live in the Word 24-7? 
I mean, did you ever worry about anything? Were you anxious about anything? Be anxious for nothing? I mean, I would, I would agree, ladies and gentlemen, that something is wrong with a child of God when we are carrying our Bibles, when we're given at giving time and worshiping at worshiping time, and we say we trust God and we say we believe God with all of our heart, and at the same time we are anxious. And we are worrying about everything, and we are stressing over stresses. I do believe that is a paradox. There is something wrong with the believer. If you say you believe God, and yet you are still anxious and still stressed, and you are still worried about everything, there is a problem. I believe the Apostle Paul was saying, if you are a believer... As far as I know, that's who he's writing to, then you shouldn't be anxious. I mean, the Apostle Paul was really living in a different world, but yet it's a world that you and I are supposed to live in. It is called the supernatural, it, it's a different realm. It's a different way of looking at things, a different, different perspective. The Apostle Paul is saying if you really do believe God and you really do trust God, then your perspective is different. Your view is different. The way you view life should be different. Your mindset is different. If you're carrying your Bible and you're giving at giving time and worshiping at worshiping time, and yet Monday through Saturday you're anxious and stressed and worried, something is not lining up somewhere. Either we believe God or we don't believe God. Either we trust God or we don't trust God. There, it's an oxymoron. Something is wrong somewhere. And yet in the pages of this scripture, the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm giving you a formula. I'm giving you a path to perfect peace. It is not God's will for you to have just peace. He's like, I want you to have perfect peace. And there is a path to perfect peace. I know that sounds funny to you that the Apostle Paul would lay out a formula for perfect peace, but ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what he's doing here. Right in the middle of this letter, he's given us a path to perfect peace. It's very intriguing to me that he is writing from a jail cell when he wrote this letter. How can a man be in a jail cell writing to the Philippian church and telling them, to have peace. Because peace has nothing to do with your location. Peace has nothing to do with where you live. Peace has everything to do with what's going on in the inside of you. Can I hear an amen? Have you ever met somebody, they move here and they move there because they think a scenery is going to bring them peace? They think nature is going to bring them happiness? Now, there's nothing wrong with nature. And nothing wrong with scenery, and absolutely nothing wrong with moving. But ladies and gentlemen, scenery and nature and moving, it doesn't solve peace problems. Because peace is found on the inside of you. And that is why the Apostle Paul could write from a jail cell telling these Christians, I don't want you to be anxious for anything. Because peace is not confined to a location. Peace is what happens on the inside of you. That is why you can go through the valley of the shadow of death and still have a song on your lips because peace has nothing to do with your surroundings. 
Did you hear what the preacher said tonight? Hallelujah. And he lays out the formula to have perfect peace. He lays out the path to perfect peace. And he says this, and I read it again. He says in verse number 6, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. Everybody say prayer. Number one, he says the path to perfect peace is prayer. Now I've already mentioned prayer this morning. And certainly ladies and gentlemen, know my heart, I'm not harping on prayer this morning or tonight or all day. But I do want to mention it again because it is in the scripture and I think it's important. He says the path to perfect peace, he says it starts with prayer. And the reason I want to bring this out is because of the Greek word for prayer here that I think is so profound and has such substance for your life and my life together. You see, he says if you want to have perfect peace, you've got to have prayer in your life. You see, prayer is very crucial to stay in very calm as stressful situations. You see, it is not our nature and it is not our instinct to pray when we are stressed out and anxious. It is our nature, it is not our nature, nor is it our instinct to pray when things go wrong. It's not. Our nature and our instinct is to try to develop a plan. Can I hear an amen? It's to try to handle it ourselves. You better give me the phone. I'll call them up and give them a piece of my mind right here. You know, we don't want to pray about it. Can I hear an amen? We want to call an advisory council to get their opinion about it. Our, our nature and our instinct is not to pray when things happen to us. We try to manipulate things and navigate things and develop a plan to try to fix things. But the Apostle Paul said, if you want to have perfect peace, the very first thing you've got to do is pray. Now they taught me in kindergarten that if you was ever in a fire, you got to stop, drop, and roll. Did they teach you that? My word to you is, when you're in a crisis, you've got to stop, drop, and pray. Did you hear what the preacher said? You've got to stop, drop, and pray. You see, it's interesting to me that the Greek word for prayer here is this. Prohusahe. Now, I spent all afternoon saying that word. And I am very proud, David Yates, that I had said it correctly tonight. Prohusahe. Thank you, James. Prohusahe is the word for prayer here. And you know what the word means? The word means this. To stand to pray without a synagogue. Now, you know why that's interesting? Because in the Old Testament, usually when they prayed, they did their certain prayers at the temple or the synagogue. Acts chapter 3. They were on their way to prayer. They would do certain prayers at certain times. Scheduled praying. Did you hear me? But this word right here is prohusa pray. Hey, and it means to pray without the synagogue. In other words, it means to pray on the spot. I wish somebody would wave your hand and say, preach, preacher, right there. In other words, the Apostle Paul was saying this, 
Don't wait till you get the church house to pray. Pray in the crisis. Pray when you're sick. Pray when you're bound. Pray when... Pray without the synagogue. He says, make a spot, make a space for prayer. Don't wait for a location to pray, but pray on the spot. How do I have perfect peace? He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. In other words, he says, pray on the spot. When you get in trouble, go ahead and pray. Don't wait later to pray. Don't wait to the church to pray. Don't wait later to the, when the kids are in bed to pray. Don't say, well, I'll wait later when I have time to pray. No, 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 no. Sometimes all you need to do is say, help! Pray on the spot. Somebody say, praise God. Hallelujah. And sometimes we miss our greatest opportunity to pray because we think to ourselves, I need quality time to pray. Sometimes you can't find quality time to pray. Sometimes you've got to pray now. Can somebody wave your hand and say, Preacher, I know what you're talking about. Sometimes you've got to pray right where you're at. You can't wait to pray. You've got to pray right there. Is there anybody in the building that says, I've been there, preacher, where I've prayed right in my car. I've prayed at the job. I've prayed in the mess. I've prayed right there on the spot. Hallelujah. Pray right there. Make a spot to pray without a location. He is saying, you see, this word prayer Prohusisay, whatever it is, whatever I said a few moments ago, carries the idea that you pray on the spot, but you seek for his presence, not for his gift. Remember, I remember years ago, you know, I, I couldn't make it home. And I, I don't know if it was my parents or my grandparents, somebody in the family, and I sent gifts because I couldn't make it. So I was on the phone, and, and they said, well, thank you for your gift, and I appreciate the gift, and it was wonderful, and you're such a good gift giver, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I forget who it was. I think it was my grandma on the other side of the family. She said, but what means more to me is your presence not your gifts. Sometimes we fail to realize when we pray, we're asking for gifts. And sometimes God is saying, I just want you to invoke my presence. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let's never forget to invoke God's presence. There's a time to ask, but then there's a time just to invoke His presence and seek His presence. God, I need your presence in this situation. He goes on to say, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. What is that word, church? Pray without a location. Pray on the spot. And then he says, and supplication. That word supplication is the word, Greek word for ask. Ask. See, it's different from just praying. Supplication is ask. In other words, after you have invoked my presence, 
after you have asked for my presence, then you can ask me for what you want. Ask me. Ask me. You see, I don't ask some people for anything. You know why I don't ask some people for anything? Because I know they're not able to meet it. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask Sean for $25,000 because I know he don't got it. Oh, he might. I know he's single and living upstairs. I, he might have cash all stuck up in the bed upstairs. I have no idea. Huh? The reason I don't ask some people for stuff is because I know they don't have it and they're not able. But when you come to God, you can ask. You know why you can ask? Because you know He's able to meet the need. You don't ask somebody for something you don't think they can do. Right? I am only going to ask you for what I know you can do. That's why people don't ask me to play football. Because they know I can't do it. Christine? <laughs> Who knows? I've been working out. Y'all, y'all going to be impressed in a few months. Y'all laughing now, but wait. I'm getting ready. I'm only going to ask for what I know you got. But when it comes to prayer, we're asking God for little things. So we're suggesting that all God can do is little things. So you know what you're saying in prayer? All I believe that you can do is little things. Because you only ask for what you know the person can do. And if you believe God can do more than you can humanly possible think, then I am asking this church tonight, ask Him for the impossible. Ask Him to heal you. Say, but preacher, He didn't heal so and so. Ask Him to heal you. Ask Him to deliver you. Woo! Ask Him. Ask God for great things because He is a great God. Your prayer is an indication of your faith in God. And when you ask God for big things, it is an indication that you believe God is a big God. You have not because you ask not. Ask God for big things. Believe God for big things. He said, be anxious for nothing, but in and everything by prayer. Pray without a location. Pray on the spot. Then he said, supplication, go ahead and ask. Go ahead and ask me. He said, well, preacher, he didn't do it for so-and-so, but I can show you ten other people he did it for. Ask him. And if he doesn't do it, so what? Just ask for something else. Ask. You have not, because you ask not. Hallelujah. Number three, he goes on to say, and let your request, he said, be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Now, 
Thanksgiving is like the cheese on everything. I don't know about you, but I love cheese. Cheese. Everything. I mean, I like cheese on everything, except for ice cream. Y'all know what I'm saying. Thanksgiving is just smother it with thanksgiving. You know why, listen to this preacher, you know why people can't be thankful? Because they got tunnel vision. You got tunnel vision because all you see is what's stressing you out. You can't say thanks because all you see is what's stressing you out. So all you got is tunnel vision. But I promise you, if you can measure all your good days with your bad days, I promise you there's more good days than you got bad days. Can I hear an amen? You say, well, pastor, am I supposed to be thankful that I'm sick? Oh, no. I'm never advocating that you're thankful for the hell that you're in, as opposed to some preachers. Who wants to be thankful that somebody dies in a car accident? Who's thankful when your body's ravished with pain? That's ridiculous. The scripture doesn't advocate that you're thankful for stuff like that. But you do have a memory. And I promise you, you could go back to some days that were good. And you could be thankful for the days that God had blessed you with. Can I hear an amen about that? Because I don't think that we've ever been so thankful that we thanked him for everything he's ever done. So even in the bad days, we can go back to yesterday and thank him for what he did yesterday. Can I hear an amen? You see, I'm reminded of the story of Jonah. Just, just in closing, go to the book of Jonah, chapter 2. Go to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. And I want you to see something as I close tonight. The book of Jonah. It's page 812 in my Bible. Jonah chapter 2. And I want you to see something about Thanksgiving here. Right after Obadiah. Jonah chapter 2. And I want you to see that Jonah was chapter 2 verse 1. Jonah was thrown into the fish's belly. I don't know about you, but that's a bad day. Anytime you're thrown off of the boat, that's a bad day. Just to be thrown off the boat. But it's a really bad day when a fish comes along and swallows you. That's a real bad day. Can I hear an amen? So this is not a good day for old Jonah. Jonah chapter 2 verse 2. I mean, just chapter 2 verse 1. Are you there? Say, I'm there. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord... His God from the fish's belly. How many knows you can pray to God anywhere? And he said, I cried out to the Lord because I, of my affliction. And he answered me out of the belly of Shiloh. How many knows Shiloh is hell? Out of the belly of hell. That's actually what he's saying. I was in hell and I cried out and lifted up my voice. Okay, So Jonah's having a bad day. He's in the belly of the fish. People throwing him off board etc. You get the point. And in the belly of the fish, in this bad day, now I don't know about you, 
But I don't know how I would respond it in the belly of the fish. Because I wouldn't have my cell phone. And y'all know if you don't have your cell phone, and it's, it, that could be a bad day for some of you. Okay, so no cell phone, and you get no snacks to eat, so you're hungry, and you're in the belly of the fish, and it's dark, and it's hard to tell what's in the belly here. Y'all get my point. But how does Jonah respond? Verse number 9, Jonah 2 verse 9, I just like the Bible here. Verse number 9, Jonah 2 verse 9, verse number 9, but I will sacrifice to you with a voice of, with a voice of, and I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the dry ground. Now, the point that I want to make here is that Jonah's having a bad day in the belly of the fish. And even in the belly of the fish, he lifted up a voice of thanksgiving. And because of his thankful heart, he was released from the belly of the fish. Your thankful heart can release you from the belly of depression, from the belly of despair. Your thankful heart can release you from the belly of despondency. God spoke to the fish. You see, it was God who really brought about deliverance to Jonah. And it is God who will bring about your deliverance in your obedience to a thankful heart. You see, the scripture says, and the peace of God, get this, let your requests be made known to God. Look at it, Philippians 4 verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, peace of God, somebody say the peace of God, will surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Look at the word guard here. You know what the word guard here in the Greek is? The word guard here, get this, it means to protect from an invasion. That's interesting. And when I read that, to protect from an invasion, Paul was using Middle Eastern terms here. He used this Greek word for guard to protect from an invasion. In other words, a wall to protect from an invasion. In other words, the Apostle Paul says that when you have done these things, it's going to create like a wall in you that's going to protect you from an invasion of the enemy. It's going to keep the enemy out, and it's going to keep some things in. Because isn't that what a wall does? A wall keeps some things out, and a wall keeps some things in. So the Apostle Paul was saying that when you have prayed spontaneously on the spot without a location, when you have asked of the Lord, when you have had a thankful heart, it will produce perfect peace in your life, but it will also guard your heart. In other words, it will keep the enemy out, but it will also keep the joy in. Did you hear me? It will keep the love in. Some of us lose the love. Some of us lose the joy. Some of us lose the peace. But if you follow this formula, it keeps that stuff in and it keeps the enemy out. So a wall here protects you from an invasion. It keeps some things out and it keeps some things in. 
He says, that's exactly what God wants to do in your life. He wants to keep things out, but he also wants to keep some things in. This is the path to perfect peace. Would you stand? Amen. Did you enjoy the word today? Amen. I said, did you enjoy the word today? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. If, Father, we pray that your word would go forth. We pray that we would hear it. Pray that we would have perfect peace. Oh God, perfect peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Those of us that are struggling with certain areas that we don't have peace in, Lord, I pray that we would find that calm and you would speak peace to us. You're here. I know we've already had an altar service, but you're here. I just want to see a show of hands that you say, Pastor, the word ministered to me. I do receive it, and I, I will receive the word. If that ministered to you and you'll receive the word, on the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three, would you? Let me see a response today. Amen. Would you take your right hand and say this with me? Lord Jesus Christ, I commit my heart to you. Commit my soul to you. I pray today that I'll be a person of prayer. Not confined to a location. But a person that prays without ceasing. I pray that I learn to ask you and depend upon you. That I walk with a heart of gratitude. That I accept your peace today. That you would put a guard at my heart that I would walk in your spirit in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Now, Father, let your blessing rest upon these people. Your face shine upon these people, I pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you've done today. Jesus' name.